The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WNKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investments. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WNKV. And now your host, Vina Jones-Cox. Good afternoon, I am Bina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where this week, as every week, we're putting folks just like you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. We have a really interesting show today, one that uh, is on a topic that we really have not covered here on Real Life Real Estate Investing in the past. We're going to talk about how you can sell properties on seller financing and then sell the seller financing so that you can get cash for your real estate business. It's a it's a it's a strategy that's not new. It's been around for a really long time, but in the last, oh, I don't know, 10-15 years, it's become a less known strategy for the simple reason that with all the wonderful easy to get subprime loans on the market, not a lot of folks have seen a lot of reason to sell the seller financing, but I think we all see the reason now. Before we get to our topic today, let's remind everybody of a couple of things. Number one, if you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing via our podcast, you can also listen to it live from anywhere in the world on Wednesdays at 5 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. By listening to it live, of course, you get the chance to call in and ask questions or send us emails to be answered live on the air. What you have to do, podcast listeners, is log into wmkvfm.org to listen to the live streaming show Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, don't forget that you can become a fan of Real Life Real Estate Investing just because... It's such a great show and you love it. And also because you want to know about what's coming up each week and you want to download 100 archive shows and you want to see articles by and about our guests and you just you just want to stay connected. And the way to do that is to go to realliferealestateradio.com and just click the make me a fan button. You'll get a weekly notification of the upcoming program, remind you to listen to it live a link to the podcasts and all sorts of great stuff. So go to realliferealestateradio.com and become one of our more than 1,600 fans. Mike is turning green with jealousy. Green with jealousy because... I don't know. Real life real estate just has an awful lot of fans, and you know, while you're, while you're there, you know, fan WMKV too. That'll make the whole the whole Staffenhoff office feel better, and it'll make me less of a pariah when I come in here and brag about my sixteen hundred fans. My guest today is Eddie Speed, who has purchased more than thirty thousand notes since nineteen eighty. His lifetime sales volume exceeds. Get this half a billion dollars. He's brokered more notes than any other individual in the business. And 
his knowledge and experience and insights and straightforwardness and honesty about the pros and cons of his business are truly unsurpassed in this industry. We're talking today about seller financing and how you can turn that seller financing into cash. Joining me by phone is Eddie Speed. Eddie, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Thank you, Vina. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm glad to have you here, Eddie. Um, listeners to Real Life Real Estate going back, you know, 10, 15 years have probably noticed that we've had a drastic shift in the kind of topics we're covering in the past couple of years. <laughs> Because it used to be all about how do I buy buy cheap and sell retail and how do I wholesale and how do I do all these, you know, quick cash things and how do I get my buyers qualified for conventional financing and we don't do a sh- lot of shows about that anymore. I bet not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the market has, has really and truly shifted uh, and and it, it it's funny and and you know this because you've been doing this even longer than I have. It's really it really hasn't shifted to something new. It's sh- it's shifted back to something old. You know it's funny, Vina. I, I started. I was a kid. I was 20 years old when I started in the note business in 1980. And and I feel like we're driving down a road that we're entering. We're going backwards. You know, we're like in 1988, and we're driving right towards 1980, and we're going back down the exact same road that we've been down the past. Gosh, I hope that doesn't mean I have to go back to shoulder pads and big hair. Yeah, well, maybe not. But, <laughs> but um, you know, we've learned a lot of lessons along the way with seller financing, um, and you and I have visited about this. I mean, there's such an opportunity today for us not to make some mistakes that have been made in the past. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, uh, we're going we're gonna to make this business better, and we're going to make the business... Uh, my goal in seller financing is to not just seller finance, but to, but to uh, influence the market and help people create seller financing that is what I call standardized. In other words, it's not, it's not homemade, but it's standardized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that process, uh, people are going to find themselves in a much better situation. Um, you know, I have a saying, seller financing fills the void that conventional lending doesn't. Mm-hmm. Well, there wasn't too much of a void in 2005. I mean, you could pretty much get a conventional loan on a residential property if you were an outlaw and <laughs> and had didn't have a job. And never paid a bill in your life. Yeah. <laughs> And and then today, the flip side, we see people, you and I see people every day that we know are good people. We believe they're deserving buyers. The market, the mortgage market has left them behind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that's where seller financing comes to the rescue. And, you know, you, you and I aren't the only ones saying this. I mean, you know, I've got an interest in people believing this because I sell properties creatively. You've got an interest in people believing this because you buy the notes of people who sell creatively. But the statistics are bearing this out. I mean, this is happening all over the country at every level from the professional real estate investor all the way down to the homeowner who just can't sell his house and has to has to sell it creatively. I, I, I think I had seen something in something you had sent over that said this was only one in 400 transactions a few years ago. Right. And now it's one in 50. 
Absolutely. And it's, it's the growth in seller financing. It's, it's for the obvious reason. Uh, and I'll tell you how I got that information. I, I have a, a list vendor that I've been buying names from for, oh, years. And he has data in about a 1,000 counties in the United States. And he is, I've been buying names from him all through the 2000s and even in the 90s. And he has the most uh, concentrated level of information available that I know of in the industry. And, 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 I, and I called him. You know, when I started uh, writing the, some of this material and articles and information about this trend in the industry, and when he called me back, I, 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 I finally made him email it to me because I couldn't believe it. You know, you must be miscounting. Uh, but it has grown in literally about two and a half years from a seller finance transaction in one in every 400 mortgages to a seller finance transaction and this isn't even in 2009. This was late in 2008. A seller finance transaction was 1 in 50. And headed toward 1 in 10, we think. You, you know, we've heard industry experts, and, I, and, and, and you probably know more than me, but we've certainly heard industry experts say that, that we are, with the continual collapse of the, of the mortgage industry and the lack of what mortgage people call mortgage product, in other words, loan programs available, I think it's fair to say that, you know, if if somebody predicted one in ten, that's probably they're probably not crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, th- there's no question. It's not just the specialty real estate investor or the land guy selling land tracts. It's not that kind of property dealer anymore that's going to have to know seller financing. It is the common person dealing in real estate, whether it's selling your personal home or a realtor or or the real estate investors, whoever it is, we're going to have to learn seller financing. If we don't, uh, we're limiting our horizon, probably. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now let's take the let's take the sort of ten thousand foot view of this of this strategy. Uh, we've covered seller financing here on Real Life Real Estate in a number of different ways. It, it includes things like selling on land contract, carrying back a mortgage, doing a wraparound mortgage or deed of trust, all, all, all of those kinds of things. But the way the way most people leave that, whether they are where they're homeowners who, who did it out of necessity or real estate investors who did it out of a profit motive, but where they, where they mostly leave it is now I'm going to sit and collect payments for however many years uh, until this person manages to refinance or sell the property or moves out or whatever the case may be, your entire business is built around a next step. Yeah. Which is cashing me out of that payment stream and giving me money instead. Well, so many people wake up and realize that that even though at the closing they didn't want a lump sum of cash, they didn't need a lump sum of cash, uh, they wake up and find out down the road that they would like to have a lump sum of cash, even if they get that lump sum of cash that's the lesser amount than if they wait. Um, and, uh, and the obvious conclusion is, yes, it's, you're, if, you, if you swap in money in the future for money today, <laughs> you're going to get less money today. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but that process uh, hits a lot of people in different ways, and, and there's various ways, and we won't get too complicated on, on, the, on the program today, but, but there, are, there, are, there are a number of creative ways 
for people to trade in getting payments in the future for a lump sum of cash. You know, there's not just one way of selling a 30-year note, although that is one way. But you can sell even less than the 30 years, and you can you know, turn those installments into significant lump sum installments. There's all kind of creative things that can be done there. Uh, the type of instrument that is used, uh, you're in Ohio, very common in your state that they would use what's called a land contract. Uh, other states would call it a real estate contract or a, a contract for deed. These are all you know, terms that a lot of your listeners would know. I've sort of told you in the past, I really don't think it's that big a deal about the, the instrument them itself if you ha- if you can check yes in the blank, I've done significant underwriting on the buyer. Because, you see, if you do a contract, you don't have to worry about the foreclosure process. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, but, but the truth of the matter is, if you do good underwriting, you, the foreclosure process is a fairly insignificant concern anyway. Mm-hmm. And when we come back from the break, we're going to really dig into what is that good underwriting process, because that's a lot of people get excited about this idea of, hey, instead of getting payments, I can sell the note and then I have my money back. I go do another deal. But it just doesn't work quite that easily. So we're going we're gonna to talk about how it really does work when we come back from this break. And we're going to take listener calls at 772-9658 outside the greater Cincinnati area at 877-772-9658 or via email by going to askvina.com. Hey, kids. Have you checked out Vena's website yet at realliferealestate.com? I don't care that you're driving. Learn to multitask. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Eddie Speed, who's the president of Colonial Funding Group and founder of Notes School. We're talking today about one of those everything old is new again strategies that you, you may have even heard of. If you know if you know real estate investors from like back in the 80s when interest rates were 17 and 18% and they talk fondly of the days when they could carry back financing and sell houses like crazy and sell the financing when they needed cash. That, that, that's kind of what we're talking about now. But it, it's maybe not as simple and, and, and straightforward to do the process as you might have heard from someone who is maybe trying to sell you a course on how to do exactly that. Um, Eddie, let's 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 start. Uh, we're going to talk about the underwriting process, but let, let's start by describing the role of of your company and and companies like yours in this, because I think a lot of people have a have a little bit of difficulty wrapping their mind around somebody buying a mortgage. I mean, isn't that how do you buy a debt? Well, you know, we we call this the note buying business. And a note is a lot of things. A dollar bill is a note. A check is a note. So the fact that you can take a receivable uh, and and sell it or negotiate it to someone else, uh, people are very familiar with endorsing the check and giving it to the bank. Well, when you buy a note, as you know, Vina, you endorse the note. So it's it's in principle the same thing. It transfers the right of someone else to receive those payments, mm-hmm. and um, and it's it's very common. Banks buy and sell loan 
paper amongst themselves. What drove the subprime lending industry was what's called mortgage-backed securities, right? Everybody's heard that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, guess what they were doing? They were taking huge bundles of hundreds of, as many times thousands of mortgages, the notes, the payables, and they were selling them into a security and then selling investors uh, right to buy those securities. Mm-hmm. So the buying and the selling of mortgage paper has been around, I guess, since the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so the the the, the role that that your company and again, there's there's lots of people who do this. It's sort of it's sort of a a a, a less known business, but mm-hmm. it's certainly not only an extremely viable business, but a booming one. Um, is to to take people who are owed a payment stream, in this case on a land contract or a mortgage or whatever the case may be, and buy the payment stream from them, give them cash, and then and then the way you make money is you collect those payments. Right. So it yeah, I mean for 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 folks who might be listening and and maybe they have a mortgage on a house and that thing happens where you sit down at your corner bank and you sign all the paperwork and you get a payment book and then a week later you get a letter that says scrap that payment book <laughs> the note's not with the corner bank anymore yep it's now with the big national bank in in North Dakota and so send all your payments here and then 18 months later you get another letter saying nope it's been moved to California send the payments here what they're doing is buying notes and and it's you know as you said on the on the big level it's been going on forever and ever what you do is actually obviously a lot more simplified than this whole securitization blah 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 but for the purposes of our show today what we're what we're talking about is how the the real estate investor the guy who's not interested in buying or holding notes can create seller financing that works for a note buyer and it ain't just oh found a buyer who's got some money sign here and now i'm going to sell the note exactly well let me go a little bit down uh, memory lane Um, and i think you know this story but maybe you don't Um, i met a very innovative creative guy in the mid-1980s his name was ken d'angelo and he had a dream of essentially franchising the house buying business and uh so i bought some notes from him and i you know we spent some time together and in the early 1990s and i can't remember if it was 90 or 91 or 92 but it was somewhere in that time frame he had struck a name and he decided that he was on this mission to do it he called it home vesters and he said eddie one of the principal ingredients of franchising the house buying business is I want to to be for the franchisees to be able to create a seller finance note and sell the note. And in order to sell the note, I totally understand we have to work and show them what kind of notes are acceptable. We can't wait until they make a mistake and say, whoops, you can't sell that note to us because it's junky or it's done wrong or whatever. Our job, Eddie, is to to sit down and make the formula of how to make a good note. Mm-hmm. And so that is how I originally got started, and I've kind of been doing it since all that time. No one in our industry had ever sat down and tried to, on the front end, develop essentially a matrix of how to make seller financing. And so I've been banging around this subject now for a pretty long time. Um, and it's never been more critical than it is today because it's not just how to make a safe note – 
but as more and more, and I know you're familiar with, you know, the the, the latest proposed legislation, but un- understand H.R. 1728, which is the latest uh, proposed amendment to the Truth in Lending Act, they 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 amended the Truth in Lending Act last year, and if you're a dealer doing five or more and carrying the financing, then you need to be compliant with that area of Truth in Lending Act, which is more restrictive than it has been in the in the past. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to make this this seller finance business more professional, um, and but one of the processes in doing it is is think of it like this: on the simplest of terms, Vina, I'm going to I run a bank and 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 I'm looking for to sell stock in my bank. I'm I'm going to go s- start a bank, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, Vina. Uh, here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to start a bank, and it's going to be a very innovative concept. We're not going to we're not going to bother the our customers, our borrowers. We're not going to bother making them, you know, fill out a credit app or pulling a credit report on them or doing verifications. We're just going to bring them in. We're going to kind of look them in the eye and say, you know, you know, ask them some questions and say, are you honest? <laughs> and 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 we're going to see if they smell good. And if they if they seem like they're honest, we're going to make them a loan. How would you like to own stock in that bank? Well, I think a lot of people own stock in that bank when it failed at the end of last year. Actually, <laughs> they really probably did. Right? <laughs> well, but let me. But but we laugh. That scenario sounds ridiculous, right? I mm-hmm. mean, do we all agree that sounds ridiculous? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. But look at the thousands and thousands of people that have created seller financing in the past, and they've never done any due diligence on the borrower. Mm-hmm. They've never pulled. They've never taken the app. They've never pulled a credit. They've never done verifications. They just met them on Sunday afternoon and said, "I'm going to seller finance it." And the guy says, "Sure." And he says, "Now I'm going to, you know, the guy selling the property says, well, I'm going to ask you a real tough question. Do you think you can afford this property?'" <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. and of course the wife's in there. You know, she's already placing the furniture in the rooms, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's it 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 was it's a very unrealistic expectation to think that you can do seller financing without acting in some capacity like a lender, because you are a lender. The day you sell your property, you're no longer in real estate. You're a lender, mm-hmm. and, and so we. I think this can be done. No, no, I know it can be done. It can be done safely, and we can qualify lots of people that the mortgage industry says isn't qualified today, but yet there is a qualification standard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, and actually, that's more true today. And not only is the demand a lot higher for, amongst buyers who would love to own a home, who can't meet the sort of ridiculous, really, standards right now of the, of the conventional mortgage industry, who are, are people who can pay, will pay, will maintain, will treat it like a homeowner. There's more of those today than there were five years ago because there's less financing available. We were scraping the bottom of the barrel five years ago. When when you were seller financing five years ago, you were seller financing someone that couldn't get a subprime mortgage. <laughs> Which means they didn't have a pulse. Exactly. <laughs> and And so it didn't... So the... There, really, seller financing of five years ago was more collateral related. You know, you were it was a mobile home and land, or it was land, or it was a house below a certain price point. There were specific reasons when a conventional mortgage lender just didn't make a loan that fit that property type, 
And so we found seller financing that was decent business. We found seller financing more collateral-related than customer-related. Today, the mortgage industry has gotten, as you said, so tight, uh, the pickings of people that would love to get seller financing is really great. I mean, there's a huge amount of people out there, self-employed, people that have good credit, a good track record of repaying others, but for whatever reason, the mortgage industry has said, nope, we won't make you a loan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody, anybody can find somebody with an insignificant down payment and bad credit and sell a property to them. That takes no skill. Mm-hmm. It's just after if I bought thirty thousand notes, how many notes you figure I've seen in my life? I mean, <laughs> I, half a million or more. I mean, I, I don't even know, but it's a lot. And I can tell you that that just like you and 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 the things that you've done so many, literally thousands of times, I almost can finish somebody's sentence when they start down the road of telling me why that they really did weren't worried about underwriting the customer when they sold the property to them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But but the truth of the matter is you can go back and look over history and 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 see that if you sold a property and carried the financing for someone, you seller financed a property to someone and you were anticipating a future action. What is that? To get repaid. Mm-hmm. The only way you can you can control your outcome is control is to do due diligence before it happens. We we like to say that the time to worry about a loan is before you make it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now I want I want all of our listeners to pay very very careful attention to what's coming next because whether you ever plan to sell a land contract or an owner held mortgage or any similar sort of thing, if you ever plan to do one. What you're about to hear is what you need to do to make sure that your payments come in like they're supposed to, that your deal went the way it was supposed to, and also has the additional advantage that if you ever do decide to sell the note, it'll actually be a marketable commodity. So what what kinds of, you're calling it underwriting, Eddie, which yeah, most, most of our folks don't consider themselves like underwriters, but that's what they are if they're making a loan. What what sort of things do you look for in this underwriting process? Well, the obvious the obvious thing that you look at first is you know what's their credit, and 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 today I mean you know uh, the the credit score is a variable. I believe that there's a far deeper questions than just their credit score. But when you go in the secondary market and when you get ready to sell your loan, the number one variable that will uh, apply to how much discount you have to take on your note. If you took all of the variables, and there's many, but the number one variable that determines the discount of your note is your buyer's credit. So if you sell or finance to someone with poor credit, always expect to have to sell that note at a deeper discount. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, that's just understanding the market conditions. It, it frustrates people sometimes when I tell them that because, you know, they start explaining to me why this person's great, and they had, but they have bad credit. I mean, it, it, it's, I just explain to people it is a market condition. The more you understand it, the more you can always make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the next, 
you know, rock to look under, obviously, is the credit report itself. There's a, there's a lot of signs in a credit report other than just the credit score. How much money have they repaid? Uh, you know, what's their track record? How long have they had credit? Um, how many trade lines do they have? What's their track record there? So forth and so on. The next level is for the obvious reasons. Um, you know, you want to get a full-blown application on them. You want to verify the information. You know, Ronald Reagan said it best, trust but verify. Mm-hmm. Um, there's nothing, if all else fails, the, the one of the best indicators of a solid payer is job stability. No question about it. And I bet you that's been true in your lease purchase activities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we agree that that if their credit isn't perfect, then our only alternative is to look for other redeeming factors. And so we, we start searching for those redeeming factors, their job stability. We obviously want to make sure they can afford it. One of the frustrating things in, in, in my career of doing this is over and over and over when somebody's trying to sell us a note, not only have they never pulled a credit report on the borrower, they've not gathered any financial information about where the person works or how much money they make. So that's kind of getting back to the theory of, you know, you're sitting there on Sunday afternoons offering seller financing to a buyer, and you ask him, can you afford this? <laughs> Which you and I think is kind of funny when we hear it said because it, it's so ridiculous. But but it is how people are thinking because they're just not, it, as you said, they're not thinking of themselves. Some people actually think, well, you know, I don't know if I have the right to ask people questions like that. I've heard people say that. Hmm. And I'm like, of course you do. You're you're fixing to be their banker. Let me say let me say to you, and literally, Vina, and I know you've done a lot of research on this new legislation, HR seventeen twenty eight. Look at HR seventeen twenty eight. It basically says the lender is obligated to underwrite the buyer. Mm-hmm. And so I pretty much developed a theory and 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 i taught this theory of you know in all the processes of teaching people what i think is safe seller financing um i i say it is the lender's obligation to qualify the buyer because in all fairness a lot of times the buyer this is not what they do and 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 they're they're and they're making an emotional decision a lot of times they're going to buy a property and live in it and, and typically they are so they're 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 not in a position to make the the best decision for themselves. The lender's job is to make sure that it's a good decision for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we need to take a quick break. I want to once again invite our listeners who have questions about this just sort of incredibly interesting strategy. Give us a call at seven seven two nine six five eight or eight seven 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 two nine six five eight. Send us an email by going to askvina at I'm sorry, going going to asvina.com is what I meant to say. And we will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Eddie Speed, who is the founder of Colonial Funding, has worked with a lot of really big corporate-level real estate investors like Homevestors, and is, by the way, one of the featured speakers at the 2009 Ohio Real Estate Investors Association Convention, which is November the 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th here in Cincinnati. 
I mention this because listeners are going to be able to find out more about and pledge for a ticket to OREA at the WMKB Fund Drive coming up in September. Stay tuned. We'll give you more information as time goes by about the other great speakers as well as the uh, way that you can support public radio and at the same time come to the best real estate convention in the entire United States right here in Cincinnati. Okay, so Eddie, you made some really good points about just how we ought to be behaving when we are turning over the keys to a $100,000 plus asset to a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think part of the reason that maybe folks don't don't screen buyers the way that you're describing is some of them are, you know they just have this one house they're just trying to get rid of it they, they used to live in it they don't want to make the payments anymore they don't know that this is something they ought to do and some folks who would screen tenants to the nth degree don't screen buyers because they say well you know what the heck it's not like I'm, I'm actually giving them any money no you're giving them a house that's right. That's worse. Because, <laughs> you, know, you know, I can give somebody money and they, they have a hard time knocking holes in it or letting their cat go to the bathroom on it. But <laughs> in my house, they're going to potentially do all of those things plus not pay me. So this whole underwriting process, as you're calling it, not only protects us against the nightmare of having a really bad potential buyer and our own houses, but also gives us the ability in the future to potentially go to a note buyer and turn this income stream into actual money. Absolutely. That's the, when you do, when you create a good note, you have many options. Now, obviously, I'm in the note buying business, and I think it's a great idea if you create a note and then want to sell the note to me one day, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but what, I, what you see is I have become more and more involved in the manufacturing process of notes, what I call manufacturing notes. Because if I don't help people, if I don't influence people to create good notes, then they're going to bring me junky notes and I don't have a market for junky notes. I mean, there, there has been markets when money was loose. If you had notes that were kind of junky, there were investors that were willing to take the risk. There were, everybody was running with money in both hands, and there were willing, people willing to buy those notes. And I'm a note broker, and I've always disclosed whatever I know. But, you know, at some point they got the money, and they're big boys, and they say this is what we want to buy, and so I could go out and find those kind of deals. But today the, the investors are conservative, naturally, and so our job uh, is to – to bring an investor the kind of notes they're willing to buy. Mm-hmm. And that's what this conversation we've had today is really about. The, the, the underlying benefit is that this same quality customer is going to have a predictable result in paying you back. The odds are that maybe the market recovers a little bit and maybe you get they get refied and they pay you off that way. In other words, you have... You have created a good situation for yourself all the way around, one of which is selling the note. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, let's let's uh, address one other thing, and then I want to talk about the, the the process by which a note is sold. W- w- once I decide that I want to sell it for whatever reason, seasoning. Okay, so so let's say that I I create a note today. I'm 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 selling to some guy who couldn't quite qualify for an FHA loan, and I agree to carry the financing for who knows how long, five years, 10 years, 30 years, whatever the case may be. And today, that note's not especially attractive because there's no history of this guy paying me. At what point, is it is it six months, is it a year, does it vary by the note? At what point do I have enough copies of checks from him that that you say yeah it looks like the guy's gonna pay yeah that is the ultimate best question and and uh i would say to you that whatever answer i give you there are going to be exceptions to this answer but the general overall answer for real estate investors this is this isn't necessarily true for someone that is selling their personal home because it'll it'll require less seasoning but typically for a real estate investor, you're probably looking at nine months to a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Uh, so your, your, your example of a year, that's probably a pretty fair litmus test. Mm-hmm. And is it, is it um, I mean, obviously, the, it's got to be a good payment history, not a bad payment history. Yeah, <laughs> so we, should, we should probably say that. It's not just that a year passed. It's that a year passed with on, on-time payments uh, and so on. Um, is the are there other things about the the note that are going to be important to you like what the interest rate being charged is and what the length of the note is yes absolutely um even even the structure of the note i i would recommend that if a real estate investor is going to sell or finance and they find a buyer that has good characteristics good credit uh, a acceptable debt to income ratio, good job stability, all the stuff that we're, we've kind of talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, they still probably shouldn't do a ninety five percent loan to value loan <laughs> because that loan is very um, unacceptable in the marketplace. So probably they should do what we would call a split loan. They should do an eighty percent first, fifteen percent second, five percent down. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, that is more difficult with a contract for deed. It can be done with with creating a contract for de- deed with two separate notes. But mm-hmm. naturally, if you do a mortgage, it's fairly easy to do. And, and I know that if you're going to own the note and collect the note for the life of the loan, that probably is kind of crazy to do that. But believe me, if you're going to go in the marketplace or you have any thoughts that you might need to go in the marketplace and sell your note at a future date, uh, creating these uh, two notes, the first and the second, is uh, it's, it's very logical from a note buyer's perspective. Is it, is it going to make a difference if today my buyer's credit score is 525 and a year from now when I want to sell the note, you repull it and it's 600? <laughs> Eddie's life experiences, that never works out that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think you and I agree that's improbable. <laughs> Usually, 
if they have bad credit the day you sell it to them, things aren't going to going to get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I and I know all the arguments of credit repair and all these things. I just, Vina, I know as you know, I know hundreds of seasoned real estate investors like you, and that have tested this theory to the max, and it's just not. The reality, it is not proven to be that way. So I would say the day you pull a credit report, assume that's as good as it's ever going to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so let's just 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 to review, and and again, I'll I'll just say it for you. Every note's a little bit different, and we're just talking about generalities here. <laughs> but okay, sure. to, to 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 review to review kind of the the ideal note that would be out there on the market today. It's going to be a first mortgage or a land contract. It's going to be for no more than 80 cents on the dollar of actual like right now value. Yes. Not 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 2005 value. Right. Not not potential 2012 value. <laughs> right now value. It's going to have a a probably a decent sized interest rate. Mm-hmm. Probably probably 9 to 10%. Okay. Um, it doesn't mean that you couldn't sell, you couldn't carry the rate at a lower rate, but you might you might anticipate a deeper discount in the note if you carried it at a lower rate. Vina, I would like to see the note written on a thirty-year amortization with a five-year balloon. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and this is longer than we have time to talk about today. But if I took my experience of selling a lot of notes to a lot of investors. That structure is the most saleable over the longest period of time I've been dealing in notes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And approximately, what what's sort of the 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 low end credit score for the buyer that you can get looked at? Six twenty five. Six twenty five. Okay. Yep. All right. So I think I think we got the I think we got the 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 basic idea here of what kind of note it is that we are trying to create. Um, just got a question from Dan in Fort Lee, New Jersey, via email that I think we just answered. What are your minimum extend- standards for accepting a potential buyer for a mortgage? Oh, well, no, he's asking about a potential buy. So you, I guess Dan is caught that you don't just buy notes. <laughs> you also sell notes. <laughs> right. And 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 I assume that you're selling those for cash and that your minimum requirement would be something like you got to have the cash. Oh, for somebody that says they can buy a note, well, <laughs> yeah. uh, like uh, any life experience or, or business model, when you've done it a whole lot of times as I have, uh, I qualify an, an investor. Um, you know, I deal with people, I sell notes to people that have money in their self-directed IRA and I deal with uh, you know multi-billion-dollar companies that have bought notes or buy notes, so um, but I will say that before I have any serious conversations with somebody that says they want to buy a note from me or they want me to broker a note to them, that I try to make sure that I'm dealing with somebody that's not only that has the money but they have the tolerance to buy this product, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and I go through a similar conversation of kind of what we've done today. You know, I'm in, I live in an imperfect world. Believe me, a 30,000 note, make no mistake about it, I'm not saying that every note I've ever bought all had a 625 credit score, because, of course, that wouldn't be true. 
But we're saying that the market conditions today that investors are stingy. They're 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 timid and they're and they want only the best products. So we're trying to help people adjust their underwriting requirements to what I believe the market conditions are going to be are and going to be for maybe the foreseeable future. And I don't know what that you know, is that two years or is it five years? You know, you and I don't know. Mm-hmm. But we certainly don't want to encourage people to create solar financing, and then the, then they've created essentially an illiquid asset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's let's step through the part of this process that 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 you know and and practically nobody who's listening does. I have my note. I've collected payments for a year. It's that my buyer's got that 625 credit score. It's only 80% loan to value. It's at 9% interest. I, I think that I have done something here that I can sell. What's the process for selling it? I mean, how, do, how, what, what, how, how does that work? What do I have to provide to the note buyer to, to get him to give me a yes or no? The note buyer is going to ask for some initial information. They're going to ask for essentially the terms of the sale, you know, sales price, down payment, amount of the note. They're going to ask for the terms of the note, interest rate, payment amount, amortization, repayment, maturity date, whatever, that type of thing. So they're going to ask uh, basically the information that we've talked about on this call today. They're going to ask for that. They're going to want to know, you know, the status of the property and the buyer's use for the property. So it's a single-family, owner-occupied type thing. Uh, they're going to they're going to they're going to want to know do you know the buyer's credit you're going to say I, I pulled a credit when I sold it to him and his credit was at this and I have I took an application and have verifications all all those type of things are going to be a plus factor for your note the 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 note buyer uh will run some calculations very few direct buyers of uh or portfolio buyers, the people that will ultimately own the notes, very, very, very few of those buy direct from the public. Mm-hmm. So that you're probably going to be dealing with a note broker, what I would call a note professional. And 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 truthfully, you know, there's you know there's late night TV, and there's people that say there's this is all easy, and they've sold thousands of people training on notes that probably aren't trained. So you want to make sure that you're dealing with somebody that has a, a, a truly a track record, a competent professional. Um, I agree, everybody's got to get started, but but you know I believe that if you if you know what you're doing, you kind of should sound like you know what you're doing. And, <laughs> and so I think the uh, the person selling a note should should probably ask some pretty tough questions and make sure they're dealing with a seasoned professional. And then and then they're going to come back. That note professional or that note buyer is going to Give them a price. It's gonna and, and and typically it's a dollar amount, but it'll equal some percent of the face amount of the note. So they'll come back and say, "Okay, Vina, I'll give you for your hundred thousand dollar note eighty thousand dollars. That's eighty cents on the dollar, essentially." Mm-hmm. And uh, then at that juncture, that's when you say, "Yes, I'll take it. No, I won't." So if the note buyer says, "If you if you agree on a price with the note buyer," The note buyer is typically going to go under a, a commitment letter or some form of a contractual agreement that allows them a certain amount of time to essentially tie the note up and do the do their due diligence. Mm-hmm. And and by the way, just so you know, if 
probably if you're dealing with a note buyer that doesn't do that, they're probably not a note buyer because every legitimate note buyer I know of, they're going to require that because they they have to spend money. They have to order appraisal or BPOs and title work and you know they have to do things that cost them money and they're not going to do it without some commitment of the note seller being willing to sell. Eddie, un- unfortunately, uh, I'd love to have another hour. We are completely out of time <laughs> and uh I, I look forward to, to, to seeing you at OREA coming up in November, and we'll get some more information out to our listeners about how they can see you as well. Wow. Good stuff. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.